the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hackstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening, and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280, The Patriot. And, of course, I'm joined in studio once again by the producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Good to see you again, Rebecca. How are you on I the Saturday nights? Good. I am wonderful, actually. We are actually just finishing up our school year, and yes. so I am feeling a little bit of relief yes, as we move into the up. summer. Exactly. <laughs> yes. We always stay busy in the summer at school. Sure. Parents may not realize how much work gets done in the summertime on the part of the administration and even a lot of teachers. Uh, but it is definitely a little bit more relaxed pace without all the students it's there. It's 24-7, 365, isn't right, it? Right, it is, it is. Well, as many of our listeners are probably well aware by now, the Common Core Standards are a national set of standards that students are expected to master in the subjects of English and mathematics. And the national standards were released in June 2010 after they were created as part of an independent initiative of three Washington, D.C.-based organizations. And the summer launch was key that summer because teachers and parents didn't have much of an opportunity to discuss the worthiness and the disadvantages of the standards. That's right, Rebecca. States hoping to be eligible for massive federal grants were expected to abide by these new standards, and many states like California took the bait fully implementing them during their 2014 and 15 school year. But book, but looking back in hindsight, it is mm-hmm. clear that California may have some buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of other states, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. The roost is uh, coming mm-hmm. home now for sure. Mm-hmm. The state's old system, which was known as the 1997 California State Standards, it made California the number one state in the nation when it came to eighth grade algebra enrollment and improving levels of achievement. Mm. But recent studies are showing that those gains have been erased while simultaneously projecting the so-called college-ready high school graduates as having doubled under the new standards. Mm-hmm. Well, over the next two shows, we're going to take a look into the state's rise in algebra enrollment and achievement under the old standards and the current Common Core tactics that are trying to mask today's decline in mathematics. And we can all agree 
that a solid set of curriculum content standards best prepares our nation's kids for the challenges that await in any college and career path. And we find it important to really discuss California and mm-hmm. break this down because the common saying it is with innovation and we're finding with economics and politics mm-hmm. that as it goes with California, so it goes with the rest of the yes, nation. Yes, exactly. And we're going to swing back to the state of Minnesota yes. in a few more shows uh, after we talk about this because really this is an important uh kind of typeset lesson for us to see what happened in California because it really does reflect um, what can happen across the whole nation. Yes, it can. So um, let's look at, first of all, let's look at what the researchers had to say about California's state curriculum content standards before they implemented the Common Core Standards. So in 2006, the Thomas B. Fordham Foundation looked at state standards across the country And subsequently, they gave the state of California's 1997 math standards. So again, this is previous to Common Core, a grade of A. Here's what they said. If any state has math right, it's California. The Golden State standards avoid almost all the pitfalls of other states. They call for the use of calculators at the right time, capital letters, (laughs) and in the right way, capital letters as well and build students' skills in a logical progression that emphasizes computation, problem-solving, mathematical reasoning, all the way through. Elementary students are directed to memorize basic number facts, which we know they don't do anymore with Common Core, and develop facility with addition and subtraction. High schoolers are given solid coverage of algebra, algebra 2, and geometry, and advanced courses in high school would challenge many college students. All in all, the state has a top-notch blueprint for mathematical excellence. Now, remember, this is from Thomas B. Fordham Foundation. They made the statement back in 2006 regarding California's 1997. That's quite an there. It is a huge endorsement, and honestly, it's pretty unusual. And I know uh, California, previous to the 1997 standards, had actually terrible math. Terrible and struggles. a bunch of the math people, math wizards in the state of Minnesota or California got together and actually approached the state and said, we are really concerned about the future of our students in the in the state of California with their math. And they they helped develop these excellent standards. All at the state level. Right. And that's yes. And that's key, isn't it? it Rather is. than the federal government telling them what to do, they were doing it themselves. And and that is absolutely key. And unfortunately, then they adopted the Common Core Standards. But um, I want to point out, too, that in those 1997 standards, they did not allow the use of calculators all through kindergarten to the 11th grade. So when they say the proper timing and introduction of the calculator and how, that obviously must not have happened till 12th grade. That's amazing. It is amazing. And it, that means the emphasis on computation was real and the kids had to to go ahead and do that by long hand, but then that's what helps them understand because then they're right. having to apply the formulas that they're learning uh, in long hand, and that way they learn it better. It's pure algorithms, yes. and there's no you know uh, sense of research and and, and and trying to figure it out that way. Right, right, and it's important. From what I understand, and I'm not a math expert, but from what I understand from those who are, um, understanding the math comes from actually doing it step by step by step, doing those problems step by step by step. Once you understand it, then you can use the calculator because it's going to help you save the time because you already understand it. Yes. And that's the reason why it's it's uh, detrimental to kids to introduce that calculator too soon because they might not really understand what they're doing. Learn first yes. and then take the shortcut exactly. later. Exactly, exactly. Yes, yep. 
Go wow. ahead. Well, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. you know, the American Federation of Teachers also gave a solid endorsement of these 1997 Which I'm not so well. sure that I have such such respect for them, but that's okay. We're, we're glad they give a ringing endorsement. Absolutely. We have to bring it out <laughs> right. there to let people know. Yes, we have to be exactly. positive and we can be positive about the <laughs> exactly. unions, the teachers' unions. I mean. and, and as some of our listeners may be aware, the American Federation of Teachers is a 100-plus-year-old teachers' union that represents more than 1.7 million teachers And in their Sizing Up State Standards 2008 report, they gave California math standards its top ratings for clarity, specificity, and content. And these top ratings were given for all three phases of school, for elementary, for middle, Mm. and high school levels as well. Mm. And according to this report, and you can find it on AFT.org, and you'd want to type in Sizing Up State Standards 2008 report, The American Federation of Teachers used their criteria for strong standards in all levels and subjects. In addition to math, they gave these standards to English and science and social studies. They were included in AFT's criteria grades. Hmm. And in one particular table, the teachers' union issued percentages of strong standards in each state. And in 2008, California fell in the 75 to 99 percentile range for strong standards. Hmm. In mm-hmm. all levels and of all of the aforementioned subjects. Now, if we compare that to Minnesota, mm-hmm. Minnesota, AFT gave uh, the state of Minnesota in their 2008 percentages strong standards only in the 25 to 49 Wow, that's so. interesting because, you know, that's, again, pre, pre-Common Core. Yes. And uh, Minnesota adopted the reading standards or the, the English language standards, but they didn't adopt the math standards because they thought their math standards were so high. Right. So clearly the AFT didn't necessarily agree with them. That's right. <laughs> um, but as we will find when we do that show, it didn't matter that we didn't adopt the math standards because they are happening in our schools anyway because all the curriculum is driven by those Common Core standards with nationwide. With those textbooks. Mm-hmm. Yes. With those textbooks, yep. So the deficiency of the Common Core versus the 1997 California standards are an important distinction that we need to talk about. And the former governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger of California, raised some concerns that with the Common Core standards, there would lead to academic expectations actually becoming less rigorous. Well, he was right. Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he, he knew what he was talking about. And... Uh, The insufficiencies between the Common Core Standards and then the California Strong Standards from 1997 are actually very well documented. And again, we think this is an important topic. Even though we live in the state of Minnesota, how California goes, the rest of the nation tends to go. And Common Core has been adopted by so many states that... Mm -hmm. We need to see this as concern for all states. It's just that this has been so well documented here in in California. It's important to mention, too, that once the success started coming from these California's 1997 standards, there were many states that were trying to emulate the success Mm. they were having, too. Mm -hmm. Good point. Good point. And and that's good to see that, Mm -hmm. that when it was working, they were actually trying to mimic it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Well, the Common Core math standards are not actually fewer than those standards in California. You might think that that because they're not resulting in as good of, uh, well, they're not demonstrating as good of results, you'd think that maybe they had decreased the number. Right. But that's not the case at all. They actually increased the, the, the number of standards. It's just the quality of the standards. So according to Zeev Werman, a U.S. Department of Education official under former President George W. Bush, He's also co-author of Common Core's Standards Still Don't Make the Grade. Uh, said He said back in 2012, before it was even officially implemented in the state, 
The Common Core Math Standards comprised 73 pages compared to California's old standards, the successful standards, of only 59 pages. Mm. And these extra pages didn't even include the advanced statistics or calculus sections that are included in this California's 1997 standards. Mm. So in other words, it's about an additional, what, 20 pages, but it, or actually 23, 24 pages, but or no, I guess I can't add between 59 and 73. <laughs> what is that? You didn't use calculator. <laughs> yeah, going I did not school. use calculator. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, more, there were more pages of standards, but it didn't even include uh, some of the more advanced uh, math classes in those standards. And it makes you wonder so, I mean, what was in those What pages? were they doing? What were they thinking? Yes. Um, and a common complaint is that they are actually ter- too detailed, um, turning teachers into technicians. And this is what I've heard consistently from sure. teachers across the nation about the Common Core standards, both the math and the and the English language, that there are a lot of pages of standards and it's really ter- turning the teachers into technicians oh. rather than being able to use their art. Really, teaching is an art, and that art form is being lost through Common Core. I mean, when there are technicalities page after page, I would think you would lose that art. You do. Yeah. You do. And that's the complaint. And that's why you have a lot of teachers leaving the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons why you have a lot of teachers leaving the field. Um, it's also important to note that in 2012, the Minnesota math standards comprised 42 pages versus Common Core 73. So once again, you know, not only in California, but here in our own state, uh, the Common Core math is trying to turn our teachers into technicians. But again, I want to point out, Minnesota did not adopt these math standards. Right. However, because of the curriculum that is on the market today, that is what is being taught in Minnesota's public schools and many of our private schools. Right. And if anybody's wondering what 73 minus 42 is, that's 31. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, the Common Core math standards, they are not clearer than those standards in California's 1997 standards. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Porter, who uh, serves as the dean of the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education, he evaluated the Common Core standards with colleagues in 2012. And he said this about Common Core's clarity. He said, quote, those who hope that the Common Core standards represent greater focus for U.S. education will be disappointed by our answers. Only one of our criteria for measuring focus found that Common Core standards are more focused than current state standards. Mm -hmm. Some state standards are much more focused than Common Mm -hmm. Core. Which explains why they've got so many more pages, because they're less focused. More words. Absolutely. (laughs) And University of Southern California professor Morgan Polikoff uh, found that the Common Core math standards are similarly repetitive, and hence they are as unfocused across elementary grades as the state content standards they attempt to replace, hmm. with only somewhat less redundancy in the middle grades. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, you know, when considering adopting Common Core, its standards had significant gaps in its mm-hmm. content coverage mm-hmm. when compared to. California's renowned 1997 standards. So Mm -hmm. we're talking about lack of clarity, and we're talking about it being more wordy, being extra, and now we're talking about significant uh, Mm -hmm. gaps. So Mm -hmm. in educationnext.org, in a summer 2012 journal titled The Common Core Math Standards, uh, W. Stephen Wilson, uh, who served as mathematics professor at Johns Hopkins Mm -hmm. University, he acknowledged that several states 
or sets of state standards, rather, in California, Washington, D.C., Indiana, Florida, and Washington State have, quote-unquote, clearly better standards than Common Core standards. And Wilson shared some of his concerns when he was asked about Common Core back in 2012. He said, Mm -hmm. there are the standard algorithm deniers. Some Mm -hmm. seem to believe it is easier to teach high-level critical thinking than it is to teach the standard algorithms with understanding. Which is so absurd. You know, the standard algorithm, then, for our listeners, if they don't know what that means, what that means is to do the basic computation that we were all taught with. So the way you learn to teach uh, or the way you learn to add and subtract and multiply and divide, um, you're just using the standard format. Nowadays, with Common Core, the kids are given multiple step processes in trying to learn how to do addition, subtraction, uh, multiplication, and division. And the reason why they're trying to do it that way is because they think by doing it that way, they're teaching higher-level critical thinking to these kids, and they think that that's going to make sense to these kids down the road because in the end, they're going to be better critical thinkers. But the reality is, and this is where I get frustrated as 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 a classical educator myself, is that there's a denial of, of children's true developmental status in lower school years when they're learning these basic computational skills. They do not have the ability to think critically about abstract things like numbers. And so you have to, in order for them to learn the math, A, and even in order for them to learn how to become critical thinkers, you have to teach with the grain. Right. And so in those lower school years, if you're trying to teach critical thinking, you're going against the grain. Right. Whereas if you wait and try to teach critical thinking when they get up into the middle and upper school years, then you're teaching with the grain. So teaching critical thinking doesn't mean try to do it back when they're in lower school. It means doing the basics and teaching the tools of the subjects in lower school so that they have the foundation necessary so that you can teach critical thinking later. Right. Now, see, the cognitive development is one aspect of this, but, you know, how does critical thinking really work in a situation where 5 plus 2 equals 7 or 5 times 2 equals 10? I mean, it's it's either right or wrong right. in math. But see, they don't, but that's one of the reasons why they're teaching it this way, <laughs> because, again, they're trying to teach this critical thinking. And one of the things, one of their values is that there is no right or wrong. That's kind of a basic philosophy in our culture today. Okay. And math has always been the traditional subject that you can go to and say, well, but two plus two is four, right? Um, Well, now there are actually people on tape saying, well, not necessarily. Because the way they want to teach math, they want them to teach. They want the kids to understand that sometimes there isn't always a right answer. And, And if they can teach that in math, then that then obviously spreads over into the other subjects as well. And that was kind of the one holdout. Math was the one holdout where you could be very clear that, no, 2 plus 2 is 4. So the problem with this, though, while they might be gaining their goal of teaching critical thinking in the sense that they're teaching kids at a young age that, gee, there really isn't a right answer, because that's really what they're teaching by teaching math this way, the the flip side, and we're going to be getting into that, is that they're not really learning their math. And the math scores are falling (laughs) dramatically. And then at a time when we're trying to increase the number of students going into the STEM-related fields, um, if we want more kids going into engineering and science and math, we need to be serious about how we teach math in these lower school years 
and teaching the standard algorithm, which is teaching them that there is a right and wrong answer, is critical to their, their math success down the road and then them feeling confident to go into some of these STEM careers. I mean, there's a real ideology shift going there is. here. I mean, if yeah. math is the last beacon, if it's yes. the last you know wall that says this is absolute correct or absolutely wrong and you've removed that, now you've opened the floodgates to the fact that everything is relative yep. and that's yep. really disturbing. Yep, it is. You're listening to Education Nation here on Patriot uh, AM 1280. Uh, we are glad to have you joining us as we're talking about the conversation of how Common Core math standards have deteriorated the math scores in California and um, how that applies here to the state of Minnesota as well. And I just want to share another quote, too, that had uh, finished off actually with W. Stephen Wilson, this mathematics professor who was talking about standard algorithm deniers and how they believe uh, under Common Core it's easier to teach higher levels of critical thinking when it comes to math. He also warned that, quote, the standard algorithms for adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing whole numbers are the only rich, powerful, and beautiful theorems you can teach elementary school kids. And to deny kids these theorems is to leave kids unprepared, just like you were saying, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Avoiding hard mathematics with young students does not prepare them for hard mathematics when they are older. So when they go to try to prepare for these STEM careers, when they're being interviewed for those jobs, it's Mm -hmm. really not interested in your relative truth. Can you do the job and can you compute? Right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, when contemplating Common Core Standards, Wilson also warned that there will always be people who think that statistics and probability are more important than arithmetic and algebra, despite the fact that you cannot do statistics and probability without arithmetic and algebra. Mm -hmm. So again, the building blocks of math. You've got to have the foundation. Yep. Yep. Math is a cumulative subject, and if you don't teach them correctly from the very start, then they already are at a disadvantage because they lose their confidence and they think they're bad at math. And you hear so many kids saying that today. Well, I'm bad at math. I'm bad at math. No, you just haven't been taught properly. And we see this at our school at Liberty that we have kids coming in from other programs where they're doing Common Core math and they're so confused. But then when they're taught the standard algorithm the way we do it at our school, it makes sense to them. And they they suddenly find their confidence. And that makes all the difference then going forward into the more difficult math subjects. Well, since the 1990s, long before Common Core uh, was being increased to improve mathematics achievement in America... um, we found that the push was on to, to, to move into an authentic Algebra One course from high school um, in, into eighth grade. So again, before Common Core hit, um, they were trying to get more and more kids to take Algebra earlier. Yes. And that was part of the 1997 standards that California introduced. And this had the support of the math education reformers, the civil rights leaders such as Robert Moses and even then President Bill Clinton. And I think it's important to recognize, you know, the federal employees and people that are working for civil rights on a national level because those that may be in support of Common Core today from one particular party, they were really setting California up to really show what they were capable of right, doing. Right, right. Well, and, and we all want every child to have this equal opportunity to an excellent education. And we, so that, that, that does tie to the standards. Well, the push to move Algebra 1 into the 8th grade classroom back in the 90s was an attempt to match the high-achieving countries that had been doing so well for decades, especially in the tiger nations of Singapore and South Korea. We, we hear that tiger mom yes. <laughs> uh, referral to, to the Asian nation's um, mothers, and that is, that is evidently a, it's even a, 
Is it an article that you found that was entitled that? No, Mark? this was, uh, it was quoted Eastern Asian Tiger okay. Nations from, I believe, the Hoover Institute. Got analysis, it. Okay, okay. Um, but anyway, the children there, they mastered their introductory algebra in eighth grade or earlier, so they were trying to mimic that. And as a result, from 1990 to 2007, the U.S. more than doubled the enrollment of eighth graders in algebra. And you might think, well, who cares if they're in there? we we got to make sure that they're actually doing well. Right. Uh, but with the positive standards, they were actually doing well. So the innovation slogan, as we've talked about before, you know, California tends to lead the way when it comes to politics and what have you. It tends to start there and move across the nation from west to east or from the coast inward. And uh, we, we began to see California take the lead when it came to their uh, immense progress under their 1997 math curriculum content standards. And their success in California encouraged rival states to learn from and try to match or exceed its accomplishment. And California's strong mathematical standards produced a quick turnaround in the state's eighth grade algebra one enrollment. And that was made possible for both white and minority students through California's own K through seven rigorous standards. And those standards included introducing pre-algebra concepts as early as third grade. Mm. They expanded on the job math or the on-the-job math training for teachers. They approved math textbooks that matched the curriculum standards and revised the state accountability system to include teacher supports and rewards for teaching algebra one by eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So what was the result from these rigorous new standards? Well, yes, and this uh, graph that was put together uh, by the Hoover Institution, um, and this really shows us a summary graph of what um, Algebra One taking in success by grade eight in California looked like mm-hmm. with those standards. Um, and again, uh, the data was actually compiled by NAEP, uh, mm-hmm. the National Assessment of Educational Progress. And in 1999, and this was really before they started computation, but only 16% of students took algebra in the eighth grade. But by 2013, four times as many, or 67%, took it in middle school. Mm -hmm. And that would include both seventh and eighth grades. Now, according to NAEP also, uh, the noticeable increase, it did not lower the success rate. So that's a double bonus. That's really important because it doesn't it doesn't make sense to be putting kids into an eighth grade algebra class if they're not going to be successful. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And to the contrary, success rates of those students, they kept rising even as their enrollment exploded. So, for mm-hmm. example, in 2002, we'll take that school year. Yeah. The number of successful and meaning proficient or advanced algebra one takers by the eighth grade, that's their definition of successful. Mm-hmm. It rose from about 52,000 students, which was only 11.2%. Uh, proficiency uh, of all the kids that were taking algebra by the eighth grade um, to about 170,000 that were proficient or advanced, Wow! which is equivalent to a noticeable increase to a total of 36.5% proficiency by 2013. So we're talking one decade here from 11% to 36% of kids in the state of California were proficient. Mm -hmm. Now, 36%, if it stands by itself, doesn't seem to be very good. Mm -hmm. But then in one decade, that's fantastic. And compared to 11.2, yes, it was atrocious. Right, right. So really, um, the study indicates that between those years of 2002 and 2013, the cohort size only changed by less than 5%. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it wasn't it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't decreasing by much. Right, exactly. Right. Yep. So this proficiency in algebra early mm-hmm. translated directly into more success 
in Algebra 2 and Geometry high school courses, and, and for sure we'll get more into this uh, next week. Right, right. Yeah, so I just want to talk very briefly at the very end of the show here and just talk about how uh, the biggest beneficiaries of those changes were actually the ethnic minority and low-income students. And I think we should touch on that when we come back because sometimes people think, well, if you go more rigorous, you're going to leave the ethnic minority children behind. behind. But in this case, actually, it demonstrated that they had the most significant increases as a result of these better standards. Yes. So if we can apply that here in the state of Minnesota... Wouldn't that be a win? Oh, be it would be fantastic. It would be fantastic. Well, we are so glad that you could join us here today on Education Nation. We are always enjoying talking about all of the issues in education, and we hope that you will join us again next Saturday night at 6 p.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot, Education Nation. And if you'd like to listen to this podcast or any other podcast, please go to our website, ednationmn.org, ednationmn.org. See you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.